Wow, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning to the folks that are worshiping at home with us. Um, I wasn't supposed to be here uh, today, but I'm, I'm glad uh, worship and the harmonies were just uh, amazing. So I'm just so glad to be here this morning. Um, how many of you know uh, uh, Christopher Bove? Just a few of you. Well, uh, Christopher was supposed to come and uh, teach this morning, but he got sick, and uh, so I got the call, and uh, and here I am. Uh, and uh, just to kind of give you a, kind of a feel for things, um, Pastor Christine's uh, spoke last week, right? Oh, he always does a Chris. You always do a great job, you know, and. Uh, and I, and I was able to listen from home, and it was really, it was really well done. Uh, but you know, Christopher is the big four zero. You know, he's forty, and then, uh, and so what we're doing is um, uh, having a sequence of teachers when I'm gone uh, to kind of uh, reflect our value as a church of multi generational ministry, as you could see on our worship team this morning, and so. Uh, uh, Christine's is kind of in the middle of uh, in the middle of the stream there, and Chris Bove is 28, and so uh, and then next week uh, uh, John Peel is going to come and teach, and he's very old, so <laughs> so you get a real kind of feel for the uh, a generational approach to. Uh, our teaching team is that we want to make room, uh, you know, for the younger guys to be able to come and teach and uh, want to honor those that are pastoring with me. And, and uh, we want to give a tip of the hat to the old guys. So, so that's what's going on. On our... Like I said, I'll be back next week. Uh, And so I was, you know, faced with, okay, uh, uh, what, am I, what am I supposed to teach this morning? Uh, and so I asked myself just a simple question. Um, what, what has been, say, uh, the word of the Lord uh, to me personally uh, over the, the last 18 months? In other words, if there was, if there was one phrase, just a few words, um, uh, what has the Lord been speaking to my heart? And so I want to share that with you this morning, and, and hopefully it will encourage you as it has encouraged and sustained me uh, over the last 18 months. And so uh, let's pray, and then, and then we'll get to our teaching this morning. Father, we thank you so much for gathering us together, whether in person here or at home. And I pray, Lord, that... Uh, that your word would encourage your people, it would uh, sustain them, Lord, it would give them hope, I pray. And I pray for myself, Lord, this morning that, uh, that uh, these thoughts would just not be ramblings, but there would be some uh, direction to them, and, and that that direction would uh, produce good fruit in our midst, Lord. And so, Lord, we lift our hearts up to you this morning. 
And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. Uh, And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The last 18 months have certainly been perhaps the most difficult um, months vocationally uh, for me as a pastor as I've ever experienced uh, in, in my entire 40 years of ministry. Um, there's been many uh, times in the last 18 months where not only in, in my life, but in many of my colleagues, many of my peers, um, we've, we've wrestled with when is enough enough? We've found ourselves in positions where there was no decision um, that would please, uh, you know, everyone. Whether it's mask or no mask or vaccine or no vaccine or gather or no gather, gather inside, gather outside, go online, stay offline. We found myself in a uh, continual... Um, Dilemma in places of conflict uh, over the last 18 months. And it has been uh, a, a roller coaster uh, world of, of seeking, seeking God and trying to come up with the right answer. And, and, uh, and that's only one part, as you all know, uh, of the last 18 months. I'll omit for the sake of our sanity, uh, the political uh, issues that have gone on in the last 18 months. And then recently, uh, the, the, the absolute uh, horror and embarrassment of what has happened and is ongoing in Afghanistan. It has been a whirlwind of, of events, um, emotions, um, uh, pain, uh, conflict. Uh, and, and at some points I arrived at, when, you know, enough, you know. And in the midst of all of those things, in the midst of all of those things, there is one word that God, by his grace, through his word, has been spoken into my life and through the grace of my wife, Nancy. That one phrase is simply this. Do not lose heart. There are times in our life, do not lose heart. There are times in our life where we as Christians must speak the word of God into our own hearts and lives in a way that adjusts the lens of our emotion, the lens of our worldview needs to be adjusted by the word of God so that we can live a life that brings glory to Christ, that brings glory to the amazing gospel message that Jesus Christ has come. 
He has lived a perfect life. He is the propitiation. He is the atonement for our sins. And that message is the message that we and that I am called and the only message. Do not lose heart. The Apostle Paul referenced this in three different places in these texts I want to share with you this morning because they've been my way through They've sustained me. They've given me direction. And I, not to be presumptuous, but, um, you know, maybe you have been in that place in the last 18 months or been in that place in some area of your life where you've just said, you know, I, I just want to fill in the blank. I just want to quit. I just want to walk away. I just want to go into, into my, I don't know how to. When I was in, when I was first as a Christian, uh, I read the thing about going into your prayer closet. So I was uh, in the Air Force and I took out all my gear and I went into, the, in, into my closet and I closed the door and I said, okay, I'm here, talk. <laughs> you know that place? There's three things, perspective, perseverance, and prayer. Perspective, come with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Take a look at verses 16 through 18 with me this morning. And that we have to ask ourselves, what is our perspective in life? What, what is the, the big picture of our life look like? And how do we interpret the events of this life? How, I mean, what is our kind of our stake in the ground in a sense of interpreting life's events and finding meaning in the most challenging and difficult places of our life. Come with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Paul says this. Let's do, we'll do a little Baptist preaching this morning. So do... Oh, you got to open up the Bible and you got to find the text if you're going to do this the right way and have some fun with it. Paul writes, so do not... Oh, we'll give it one more shot. You know, I know you. I know some of you guys are charismatics and Baptists, and I know there's a few Episcopalians here. It's while you're here, it's a miracle. But anyway, so so do not do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Why is Paul sharing with them? Do not lose heart. Because of the great difficulties that the Apostle Paul faced. He, in context, we can come to verse 7 of chapter 4. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not, what? Destroyed. Not destroyed. Not destroyed. Come back to the text with me, verse 16. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed by day by day. 
we live in two spheres. We live in this natural world, and yet at the same time, we live in this spiritual reality. And what Paul demonstrates is that, um, that in the natural realm, from the moment we're born to we, there's a tipping point where it becomes more pronounced, we're in a state of decay. And some of you, the decay is more obvious than others, but. <laughs> but we're all dealing with, um, with that aspect of the weight of just living in this world and the difficulties that come along with it. I've been watching some of you out in the parking lot backing up. It's a very dangerous place, the parking lot. Like you back up like this. I'm like, I hope they have a camera. Like, we're all in that place of decay. Yet at the same time, we're living, we're living in this place by the Spirit that's renewing us. And you can see that in many people as a, as a pastor when you do hospital visits. And you see someone with an ashen face, and yet within their mortal frame shines forth the glory and the hope of Jesus Christ. And Paul is relating to the people that what you see in your perspective determines your journey in life. Come back to the text with me. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. In verse 17, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And so the things that are impacting us and the difficulties and the persecutions, did you read it? When I, did you hear it when I read it? That the, that the treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Our perspective in this life must be viewed through the lens of eternity. That this life is not all that there is. And that that perspective of eternal glory, viewing these things in life as momentary afflictions, because God is preparing us today for our eternal home. And as God is preparing us, he is shaping in molding us to be the very, very best person this side of heaven. And so if you're married to someone that's ornery, there's hope. Just pray a little affliction on. It's God is shaping and molding us. Back to the text. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen, they're what? They're eternal. And so we can't live this life without a biblical worldview. 
as we look at life and our life as Christians, we view it through the lens of a biblical worldview, that God is preparing us, God is working in our life, God is using the difficulties and challenges of this life to shape and to mold our hearts to be more like Christ because that is preparing us for our eternal home. And so when the weight of things comes, what is Paul's admonition to Pastor Ed? Do not. What is God's encouragement to you as a person? Do not lose heart. And one way we keep our heart and protect our heart is by having a biblical worldview and a perspective that this life is not all that there is and God is using these light and momentary afflictions and difficulties. He's preparing us for something greater. The second little insight or thing that speaks to my heart comes out of Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, if you'd come there with me. And it has to do with perseverance. And Paul is brilliant in using all kinds of metaphors through his writings about being a soldier and an athlete and, and being a farmer. Because life has its what? Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 3. Life is full of ups and what? Downs. And the greatest problems that I found uh, in my journey of the last 18, month, uh, 18 months is adjusting my expectations to God's plan. And maybe you found that in your world, is that the expectations of what church life would be like or how I would be treated or how people would respond I mean, my expectations were here, and reality was not even close to there. And when we, when we are in that conflict of expectations between, between what God is doing and wants to do in our hearts, there is required an element of perseverance in an element of faith in the midst of, of that cauldron. It's like Galatians 6, 9. Let's read it. And let us not, what? Our loose heart. Let us not grow weary of doing good For in due season we will reap if we do not what? If we do not give up. And all of life life requires an element of persevering through the challenges and difficulties that life brings our way. That is part of God's sanctification for us. It's got part of God's plan for us. It provides us the opportunity to grow in faith and trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 4, 5, and 6, right? Trust in the Lord with, lean not in all your ways, (laughs) and he, 
We'll direct your paths. You guys are great. But to live that as a pastor requires, has required me to speak the gospel into my own heart, saying, Conway, don't lose heart. It requires, it requires, required and requires still allowing people that love me to say to me, Ed, don't lose heart. It requires a biblical worldview that informs me that God is sovereign and operates through his providential care for me. It requires a complete confidence that God is greater than anything I'll ever face. It requires a complete obedience to his word to trust him that he is good and he'll work all things out because I love him and I, I am called. It requires speaking the word of God to my life that, Lord, I want to exercise faith in you because I believe that you exist and that you do reward those that put their faith and trust in you no matter what I see. It requires a confession of faith in my heart that I would have stumbled unless I believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, so I'll wait for him because I can trust him and believe him, and he's proved himself to be true. Amen. Do not lose heart. We are all going to be in those places in our life where, where, where we want to... It goes like this. I've done my time. I've done enough. I'm tired. I've heard enough. I'm tired. We all get to that place, and that's not age-driven. That's emotionally driven. And to have a good self-awareness of what is driving us, and then to have good diagnostic questions or put people around you that can ask you the questions so that you can get a good intervention and a good remedy, those are good principles. One more. Come with me to Ephesians chapter 3. A godly perspective, a commitment to perseverance, a worldview that says God is good, He is sovereign, He is in control, I can trust Him. Coupled with, coupled with a understanding that through Jesus Christ, we have access to the throne of grace and we can go to him with any request that we have, asking for his power and his might and his majesty to be manifested in my heart, your heart, in our day, this time. Paul prays this amazing prayer. It's, it's the second, second prayer that he prays for these folks at Ephesus let me read that prayer. Let it resonate in your heart. Paul writes this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you, that he may grant me, that he may grant you, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner man 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever and ever. And all the saints say, Amen. Amen. What prompted Paul to write this prayer? What, what inspired him? We certainly know the Holy Spirit did, but what moved him in his heart to write this prayer? Well, we can come to verse 14, and he says this, For this reason I bow my knees. For this reason I, I prepare my, my soul by informing my body of the right posture. We need to speak the gospel to our own hearts, and we need to inform. <laughs> I'll speak it to my own heart. It's like I need to tell the I need to tell I need to tell Edward what to do to adjust my my lens and my emotions and my my disposition towards the realities of the kingdom. And so Paul does that. He says, Paul, get on your knees. Because it's a posture that's modeled by Jesus and the apostles and the prophets of humbling themselves and acknowledging the greatness of God. For this reason, Paul gives us two reasons that he, that he writes this prayer. The first is found in verse 12. You don't have to go very far. The second is found in verse 13. The first is, Paul writes this prayer, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Jesus. See, Paul's theology, his biblical worldview, informs him that Jesus Christ defeated principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, and he nailed them to the cross. And because of the cross of Christ, we have access to the, to the word, to the logos, to the creator of the universe who holds all things together by the power of his word. We have access to that person. It is Jesus. And Paul is, is full of an awareness of the power, sovereignty, Man, I haven't heard majesty in a decade. He's full of the majesty of God. And it prompts him to look at these Gentiles and their, and their worldview and pray for them. Look at the next verse, second reason, verse Verse 13, so I ask you not to, 
I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering. Paul's in prison in Rome. This particular time he's in house arrest. He says, I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for your benefit, which is for your edification, which is for your encouragement, which is for your glory. Because Paul's perspective is from the moment Jesus called him. As Saul of Tarsus, he says, Paul, Saul, I'm going to show you the things that you'll suffer so that I can use you. Remember the jaws of clay. So I can use you so that my glory would shine forth and the Gentiles would be reached with my gospel. And the, and the folks in Ephesus lens was, how can this happen? Paul's suffering. How can this be? He's the apostle. He's in prison. Paul's enemies, his detractors, they used it against him, and God used it for his glory and the benefit of his people. And therefore, he prays. I know that there's quite a number of our church leaders here this morning. This is the prayer that our church desperately needs. Would you pray? Would you intercede? Would you pray this over our church, your family, your children? Would you pray this prayer over your pastor? Your pastor needs this prayer. We could summarize it maybe in one verse. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, according to his power that works within us. Do not lose heart. We've come through some challenging times. We have no idea what tomorrow will bring. And so let us put our heart Let us put our trust in a good God. Let us not lose heart. Let us put our confidence in the one that holds all things together by the power of his word. Let us not be afraid of death because death is not all there is to the life of a believer. There is a glorious inheritance and victory awaiting for everyone that calls on the name of Jesus Christ. Would you commit yourself to pray this prayer for our church? I'd like you to go home and ask yourself that question. Would you ask God to bring forth his power, bring forth his might, bring forth his glory so that his kingdom would be advanced, and his people would not lose heart. Amen? Amen. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's table this morning.